0: Hi, it's Sherry. Just wanted to give you a little deeper intro for my guest this week. This week, I'm speaking with Katherine Butig, And I have to tell you that way back in the beginning when I first started doing the blog interview series and created the Monday Muse series that I reached out to Catherine asking her to please be a guest on my Monday Muse interview series, and hear back that she thought that it was important to have these sorts of spaces for women, and that she would be honored to be a part of it. That was such an incredible response back. I was so excited to have her be a part of the Monday Muse series, hoping to be able to also have her be a guest on the podcast and just not sure that it would ever be able to work out that we could pull it together. As you'll hear, she's in transition. With a lot of the things that she has been doing in her life. I just am so incredibly grateful that she made time to sit down and talk with me, especially on the day that we did sit down to talk, was the day that a very integral part of their home in their yard was coming down. A big tree that was in their yard that they had found out was dead and had to tear it down. And it was affecting her quite a bit. I just want to tell you all that she was a trooper. And we had a wonderful conversation in the midst of them tearing down this beloved tree in her yard. Please join me in this wonderful conversation with Catherine about life, about yoga, about so many things understanding that we are all so multidimensional and so many things going on. And when I thanked her for making the time to talk with me, she responded with, there is always time for good conversation. And this was definitely that. So enjoy this interview with Catherine Budig. Stories. We all have them. They're the compilation of your journey from where you started to how you ended up where you are today. Titanium Blonde is all about sharing women's Stories. The good, the bad, the ugly, the beautiful, and everything in between all of that. I'm Sherry Eckert. This is Titanium Blonde Talks, and I'd like to know, what's your story? Hello, and thank you for joining me today for another episode of Titanium Blonde Talks. Today joining me is Catherine Budig, and I am so grateful for her to join me today just if you don't know her, she's an internationally celebrated yoga teacher and author known for accessibility, humor, and ability to empower her students through her message, Aim True. She is the co-host along with her wife of the podcast, Free Cookies, the author of two books, The Women's Health Big Book of Yoga, and Aim True. And she tells me that her dog, Ashi, brings her constant inspiration and joy. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me today, Catherine. I'm so glad to have you here and welcome.
1: Thank you. It's Lovely to be talking with you today.
0: So, could you just give a little bit more background on who you are for the folks out there that don't already know who you are?
1: Sure. I, I, most people probably know me through my writing and my yoga teaching. That's uh, I've been teaching yoga for the past fifteen years. I, I trained in Los Angeles under Chuck Miller and Mati Israti, who were the founders of Yoga Works, which is kind of like all roads lead to Carnegie Hall, all yoga mats lead to yoga works or something like that. Um, So I was very blessed to train under two of the most exquisite teachers alive today. And, and Mati saw something in me that I didn't see. And she's tough and threw me into the fire. And um, it was amazing. And I, I never thought that I was going to move into a yoga career. But I was just really blessed to be in an environment where I had all the perfect tools to expand into it. So that was my full-blown career. And I also went to school for English literature and drama. The drama helps the teaching. The English literature (laughs) helps the communication and uh, started writing. I used to be the editor for Women's Health for their yoga. I have written for a bunch of publications, Yahoo Health, et cetera. And I've written two books. Yes, I I have them both. There will be more books in the future, I think, although for anyone who hasn't written a book who wants to, let me warn you, it'll suck your soul. (laughs) I I was just talking with my friend, Sean Korn, who just finished writing a book, and I think it took her something like two years. And she sent it to me and my wife, who's also written two books. And she's like, I don't know what the fuck is wrong with you guys and why you write books. I will never do this again. I hope you like it. (laughs) "Yeah, Yeah, pretty much. But yeah, I'm in a, a lot of transition right now. I've been teaching for the past 15 years, but I've been moving into more food and fashion and and other assets that have always been passions of mine. And I'm not walking away from yoga. I'm just altering my path because uh, you have to, to stay thirsty and stay hungry. And that's where I'm at right now.
0: That was one of my sort of my thoughts as, as I've watched you. I've been following you for, I don't know, forever on Instagram, <laughs> it seems like. Just noticing that you have really changed. You're not traveling as much yeah. and that you're more selective with where you teach. You just answered that question for me is just trying to stay fresh and, and trying to explore all the other options in life while still teaching. Exactly. And I know, you know, I've been teaching for 17 years, practicing for 25. And the transition that happens over that time period, I never really understood that until probably the last five years and really using myself as sort of the testing ground, because I have a lot of broken bits and pieces. (laughs) And I know that you were dealing with a shoulder injury for some time. Was it last year? In 2018?
1: Many times, actually. There's been labral tears and rotator cuff issues and undiagnosed weird things. And yeah, I feel like I have a permanent buddy that just moves throughout (laughs) my body. There's always something that's not quite functioning properly. (laughs) But it's also, you know, and God bless the yoga practice. But it turns out if you do the same motions over and over and over and over again, you're going to get a repetitive stress injury. Hello. And, I know. <laughs> I fancy that. And so, with it's, I love yoga asana. I will always love yoga asana. I do not pursue it with the same zest that I used to because my body needs change and it needs yeah. cross training, for lack of better terminology. So, I just have to, it's a delicate meat suit, and I'm getting older and things are changing. And it's okay. It's frustrating, but you just learn how to adapt and not be attached to. You know, the physicality of the practice and the aesthetic of the practice.
0: That's the thing for me is that most of my student base is midlife and older, and I'm over 50. And, you know, you walk around with all of the bumps, bruises, accidents, mm-hmm. falls, everything that you've done. And I've discovered that the older I get, the uh, more of those things return and the louder they speak yes. every time they show up. And so for me, it's been more about how do I find that functional movement piece that allows me to be able to continue my practice and respect whatever it is my body has to tell me that moment when I'm on the mat. And it's, boy, that whole thing of approaching my practice without a whole lot of ego driving or that thing of... Well, I could do this. The last time I got on my
1: mat—that's the worst. To the comparison, not to others, but to an mm-hmm. earlier, shinier version of yourself. Which, let me tell you, I have the unfortunate privilege of having my entire yoga career documented in <laughs> photos. Which sucks. <stops. laughs> you know, I have a, this massive picture of the Jasper Joe Hall who who photographed me for the toe socks campaign, which is in right. and, and socks yes. at a very much younger age and different body. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't tell if I look at it with awe or like, hot damn, I'm never going to look like that again. <laughs> but you know, it's, it's, that's it's life. a mixture
0: of both. It is. Yeah. And And I remember when that campaign came out and that, you know, there was some controversy around all of that of, you know, being naked and promoting yoga and was that the right thing to do, blah, blah, blah. And Mm -hmm. I always loved that you just approached it from, you know, this is what I'm doing. You can make whatever value judgment you want to, and I'm just going to continue to do me.
1: And that's the only thing you can do because especially with social media and the way we're all connected to each other (laughs) 24-7, people can say whatever they want, whenever they want, without, you know, they don't have to deal with that. And it's just the opinions are raging and people are angry. We're living in a very fiery climate right now. And I understand people's anger, but it's, it's so reactive. And you, if you're going to make a choice and do something, you just have to be so grounded in whatever that is, because people will not agree with you. And if you crumble easily, you will always live in this deep, place of sensitivity.
0: Well, and I just see some of the things that people post in their comments and I, I think, know. good Lord, <laughs> there's a human being that's on the other side of the screen that you are making these shitty comments to and hello.
1: I know it's it's the absolute worst, but it, 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 people don't realize that it's, and this is the thing with social media, you think you know someone, yeah. you follow them for years. And, and I get that a lot when my students, if we meet in person at a workshop and they practice with me on Glow and they feel like right. I am legitimately their their teacher, even though we've never met. And there is an intimacy when you it's so creepy look at someone every day <laughs> or, you know, follow <laughs> what they had for breakfast and what their dog is chewing on and all those details. And it's creepy. I honestly I, I would love to see social media just go up in flames. I think that we would all return into a much calmer, less anxiety ridden place yes. of being where we don't, we don't I, I feel like, and I'll speak for myself, but I feel like I have fallen into a place where I focus more on what I'm not doing because I think other people are doing more than me on what I want to do. And when mm-hmm. I take a moment to step away from watching other people's careers, I can focus on what rings true to me, what inspires me instead of I'm not doing enough and I should be doing what they are doing. The comparison thing is just a nightmare.
0: Well, the comparison thing and the other thing that I, that I feel and that I hear from some of my women that I've interviewed is that whole lack of legitimacy feeling mm-hmm. of I'm not doing it right. Who am I to be doing this? All of those sorts of things that come up for people. And it's interesting. Most of them to a person have talked about the fact that they just kept tapping into what they were passionate about. And that for me is the same thing, is so much about sharing women's stories. I taught myself how to do all of this stuff, build my website, Mm -hmm. do the podcast. I edit everything. I do it all myself. And to me, it's this labor of love to be able to share these incredible women that are out there walking on this earth that as women, we don't necessarily have the platforms for that to happen. So I just think that there are people people out there that don't feel that they have a story to share. And it's like, you know, but you do. And you have this incredible lifetime wisdom that you have brought with you through those stories. And so I just tell myself that as I see some of that and every once in a while I go, oh, I wanted to go to Paris or Mozambique <laughs> or, yeah. you know, wherever it was. And I want to go and do that too. And right now I'm sitting at home editing a podcast or, you know, doing yeah. whatever. But I know that as much of a love hate relationship <laughs> as social media is for me that that is where I have found so many of the women that truly inspire me too.
1: Yeah, and, and what you're doing with your podcast whether or not people directly connect with you over it think of the people that you're reaching that might be going through that dark place but then they listen to an yeah. episode and you inspire them or the guest inspires them and then they remind themselves, "Oh, I do have something to offer." And and this is maybe a little on the nose for an analogy, but one of my old tree is being torn down in our backyard as we speak. And I'm like emotionally trying to keep my shit together, but it's this massive, massive gorgeous tree that looks so beautiful. And evidently it's completely hollow on the inside. And that's how a tree yeah. dies. It dies from the inside and you can't see it. And I was just looking at it, talking to my wife. I'm like, isn't that emblematic of how we are on social media? We just see all of this shiny, I want to be in Paris, I want to be in in Mozambique, you know, but meanwhile, someone might be prancing around in the most beautiful place in the world and legitimately be dying on the inside. Yes. And it's, it's just a, I guess it's a good reminder. We all know this and yet we suffer from it on a regular basis. So I do think the more we talk about it and the more we listen to each other, it's just that smack in the face of like, not real not real, but the <laughs> things that are actually happening instead of the shiny pictures that distract us from our purpose and our drive.
0: Well, there's that. And and when you go through major life transitions, and for someone like you who has a lot of exposure, I know that as you went through the transition as your, your marriage ended and life moved on from there, I was so impressed with how you and maybe I got the wrong impression, but we're intentional with what you did and didn't say and how it seemed like you gave yourself room to move through all of that and process without having to feel that you had to announce it to the world in the moment that it was actually
1: happening. Absolutely. And I'm so glad I did it in the way that I did. It was, A, it was really good for my relationship with my now wife because we didn't woo each other and show it to the world while it was happening. Like we got to build our relationship together without the expectation of others. And simultaneously going through a separation with a marriage, you know, trying to be respectful of my ex-husband, even though I may not have liked him that much, (laughs) you know, there's still, there's just still certain lines that you don't cross. And, and it's not the world's business to know the most personal nooks and crannies of my life. You have to keep something for you. You have to find what is sacred in your life and keep that for you. And while I love I – well, I don't know if I love it, but while there is obviously this trend on social media, people being raw and honest and exposing all of their emotions all the time, yes, I do think that really helps people. But at the same time, like, what is sacred anymore? What is privacy? Uh, and when you that expose example. that much, you can't get upset when people attack you for other issues because you have put so much of yourself out there that it makes you a bigger target. So you have to be ready for the critique that's going to come back. When you um, open that
0: door, boy, you open that door and some people just come storming through with big ass boots.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So true. (laughs)
0: you know, and I, and I just, I think about that and I think, you know, I don't have huge amounts of followers and that's not why I do what I do. And when I started with all of this, it was about doing these great yoga challenges that pushed me outside of my regular practice that pushed me outside some of the limitations that I told myself because of my age or whatever it was. And it was this great supportive environment. And I met these incredible people and, that's sort of morphed. And over the last three years, it's been about how do they sell, you know, this, that, or the other thing, or, you know, how do they be authentic? And I, I haven't found a better word for authentic. I feel that's
1: been so overused. I hear you, but it is kind of the word.
0: It is the word. It's, yeah. it's, it's the only word. It's
1: overused, and, yet very effective.
0: <laughs> and, and, and people say to me, well, Sherry, you know, you're always so honest. It's like, I don't know, I don't know how to be any other way than exactly who I am.
1: I completely agree.
0: And I spent too many years trying to be what everyone else thought I should be and being miserable to the point where it's like, now it's like, I can't be anything else. I can't dumb it down. I can't be less of who I am because that's not who I am.
1: I was watching, there's this show on Netflix, it's called Sex Education. Which everyone I love is, that show. It's so fantastic. We just watched yes. it last night. It is one of the most well thought out, fleshed out character show I've seen in decades. And there's this beautiful line by one of the characters who's gay and he's trying to really embrace who he is. And his father has been struggling with his sexuality. And he just says to his dad, he's like, I am going to experience pain either way. So why not be who I am? And well, it's just, I, and then I started sobbing. <laughs> but He so was true. such a great character. Yeah. Oh, he was just yeah. so lovely. And I mean, that is just so emblematic. And not, this doesn't have to do with sexuality, but just, you will always feel pain in life, period. So you might as well experience that pain being who you are instead of a shadow or caricature of yourself instead of what you truly feel. And it's just mm, so good. Everyone go watch Sex Education.
0: You know, and it got all done. And I was like, I need more. I know. How much longer do I have to wait for the next (laughs) completely agree. Oh, man. So I know that you had moved to New York City for a while. Yes. And... Then you came back to your your home that you had, and you're in North Carolina, right? I can't remember. Uh,
1: South Carolina, Charleston.
0: South Carolina, right. So what was kind of the transition that drew you back to South Carolina?
1: Oh, man. So Kate was living in Brooklyn, and we, I think after the divorce was final, I wanted a change of pace. We were doing our podcast together, and I just thought, New York City is the epicenter of the world. Why not go live there and experience it? And that'll be good for my career. And it'll be fun. We'll, we'll have our Brooklyn years. Our, our game plan was roughly three to five years. And we rented a beautiful place in Dumbo, brought the dogs. And it was just so exhausting. It was so, I yeah. love New York City so much. I don't think people should live there. <laughs> I, 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 I was in therapy within months of moving there, <laughs> uh, which I spent way too much money on, by the way. And it, it was just, everything was so difficult. And I think I, I didn't truly put enough value on the level of transition that I was going through with my divorce with going from being married to a man to being with a woman, with doing this in a public on a public platform. There was just it was a lot for me. And I've always been that kind of personality where you just pull up your bootstraps and you keep going. And it all kind of came crashing down on me once we got to Brooklyn. And, you know, Kate just looked at me a couple months in. She's like, We don't need to be here. You know, why don't we and why don't we move back to Charleston? we don't have to be here no one the world may think that this is where we should be but this isn't where we need to be to be happy and so we stayed for probably about 9 months and there was there's a lot of stuff going on with the health of my family and the health of her family and and we just had to renegotiate where our priorities are and we're both very driven people who've spent the past 15 plus years focusing on career and that's just not what is number 1 for us anymore so it, it was time to let go of that life and and get back to the places where we can be the members, the family, and the people that we need to be for each other. And yeah, it's been a lot of change.
0: That's a huge space to be able to step into and to hold on to what's important. And be able to let go of the expectation about what your life was mm. previously to where you ultimately want to be now.
1: Oh, I felt like a failure. I felt like, oh, I finally got to New York and I did nothing. I think I gave one talk while I was there did my normal travel. I mean, I, I met up with all my successful, like I run this magazine friend and, P, and they'd be like, so what are you doing? And I would say, nothing. I don't want to work anymore. <laughs> I mean, it was just, it was bad, but it, it's, but it also was so interesting to finally get out of that rat race of just hustle, 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 go, 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 succeed, succeed, and step back and be like, Whoa, why are we even doing this? Right. Like, seriously? What, what have, are we ever happy? Or are we just we think we're happy because we don't have time to know any better because it's just constant. Ah,
0: yeah. Well, and I took you know I live in in the Seattle area and it's have lived so on the Paci- oh. in the Pacific Northwest my entire life between Oregon and Washington. I went to New York City and stayed with my friend Sadie in Brooklyn, and she was opening a studio in Soho back in the day. That was God back in two thousand eight, I think two thousand nine. Mm-hmm. It was interesting. I ran into a lot of people, there's a lot of very frenetic energy there. And I'm a person who tends to run on adrenaline anyway. Oh, So what happens when I hit that frenetic energy like that, it turns me up. And I just keep going and going and going and going and going and going. And, going and, going and, and then you collapse.
1: Oh, and the crap so, so hard.
0: <laughs> yes. And and I had so many people who would come up to me when they would meet me with her and they'd say, so where are you from? And I tell them and they go, yeah, you got that laid back West Coast vibe <laughs> about you. And I was like, and that's a you bad. You don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you. this is not laid back to compare what to what my real life right. is every day. So it was very, inter- I mean, it's, it's a, it's an interesting place to be. There's something going on all the time, but I just, I i don't, I could never live there. It, it, I would be, I would be burned out in a week.
1: <laughs> no, I think you either need to be a teenager or in your twenties or you, it, it is a city of ambition. If you were in that super hungry ambition part of your life, Sure. But I think if you're trying to start a family or you want to slow down or you're reprioritizing where you need to be, whoo, that city is a lot. It'll chew you up. Yeah. But yeah. they have very good pizza. <laughs> <laughs> they have excellent pizza, you guys.
0: Well, well, here's the interesting thing. I went on a yoga retreat in Italy with oh. Sadie, and most of the people that were there were from New York City. I was the only one that came from pretty much out of New York city. We stopped in this little tiny village outside of Montalcino with mm. this. And it was this roadside restaurant one night and they had pizza and they had stay. I mean, there was any number of things that you could have want. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the New Yorkers ordered pizza to try it. And all of them said, we're like, I don't think I can go back to New York and eat pizza again. Really? And I mean, this place was a freaking hole in the wall. If you'd have blinked, you would have driven past it.
1: Those are the best though. That's where all the magic happens.
0: Yes. And the nicest people that ran the restaurant, I mean, there was like 15 of us there and they treated all of us so well. They brought out their homemade limoncello that was like freaking rocket fuel.
1: Oh, that's like crack. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It was so good, but man, I drank it. I was like, wow, this is like really kind of scary. Yeah. So I understand that completely and, and being next to family, that's, it's, you get to that point in your life where your family, I've, I've never not been attached to my family. So I've, I've never really gone through having to transition through something like that. But I think that that's a part of what we're missing right now in the world and why maybe there's so much anger and people that are not connected Mm -hmm. We have all this technology that has made the world so small and connected us all, yet there are so many people that are so lonely.
1: Oh, my God. There's a study, my wife wrote about it in her book, What Made Maddie Run, and there's this study that they did where if, um, if someone is stressed out and experiencing anxiety or depression, if uh, they text their mother or their father or a family member, Versus if they actually pick up the phone and oh. hear their voice, the the amount of serotonin that is released, like none is released via text. And then you get all of the proper endorphins that you need from actually hearing someone that you love their voice. And that's something I never talk on the phone anymore. If someone leaves me a voicemail, I won't listen to it. <laughs> You know, it's just, I don't really know when that transition happened, but it's just, oh, I don't have time to talk, you know, just send me a text. It's, but th- mm. that's what, there's that lack of connection where we yeah. really need to bring that back where it's not enough or what drives me absolutely bonkers is when someone sees me on Instagram and they're like, you look great. I'm like, really? I was crying all day long. You know, yeah. it's just pretty pictures mean jack shit. And it's- me too. And it's just, you know, it's an unrealistic snapshot in in
0: time. You know, it's not it's not who you are. Right. Yes. We
1: need to call our friends. We need to call our family. We need to check in and we need to make sure they're doing okay. and never assume that because they put a pretty picture up that they're okay. Like this is just something that needs to come. Back. I hope everyone listening to this, when you stop the podcast, like call someone that you love, make a dinner date, get out. Like it's so wildly important.
0: Well, and it's a part of the reason that I've chosen this particular platform to do the recordings for the podcast for the people that I can't see in person because there's video that we yeah. can see each other while we're talking. And I am so much an facial expression, body language reader that's just a part of who i am that for me to not be able to do that it's like shouting out into the void and you can't see or hear that person
1: phone interviews are the worst
0: they are you can never (laughs) get
1: to the the the, the depth that you want in person or this video is always the best
0: well and i know that you guys have a podcast so what's going on with that have you you're in transition with that too
1: we are. Um, so the first season was through ESPNW. And then right. season two, we took it back. And we will be launching our third season soon. But we are also working with a production company to turn free cookies into a television show. So oh, great. we are working on pitches with networks right now, which uh, it's really exciting. It's really exciting because it's We're just thrilled to have, you know, this idea that will come to life where we get to talk ideas with interesting people. Not necessarily famous. Maybe the person's famous. Maybe it's someone you've never even heard of, but they have fantastic ideas. Kind of like the original TED, you know, TED Talks. When they first came out before, it was like TEDx in my toilet, TEDx backyard, (laughs) TEDx everywhere. You're like, oh, my dog could probably give a TEDx talk at this point. No offense, TEDx speakers. I haven't, I haven't spoken for TED, but you know, to just like truly have brand new ideas, and yes. I, we love that. That's what Kate and I do. That's why we started a podcast. Is we just talk about ideas all day long. It, Which it's what we love to do. We just get into the nitty gritty and really break it down. And so we're excited to do that and banter and keep it. You know, we want levity and playfulness and all that too. But well, because that's yeah. a part of who you two are. Oh, it's impossible. We it. <laughs> yeah I mean, because yeah. you you
0: wouldn't you, you can't do something that's not a part of who you are and yeah. have it be anywhere close to something that you would want to continue to do yes. um, that that's been the thing with this whole podcast is like I don't it doesn't matter to me whether who you are other than the fact that you've got this story and you could be you know oh my gosh. somebody down the street that nobody's heard of and your I story could be something that changes someone's life just by telling your story. And I have always been this person who I wanna know, where'd you come from? How, how did you get to where you are? What, was, you know, what were the good things? What were the bad things? What were the things that you learned along the way that you never expected? And some people think I'm nosy, but I just have this innate curiosity about people and how they get to where they are and how they live the way they do and what fuels their passions and, and what makes them get out of bed in the morning and go, okay, I can face the day again today.
1: It's a fabulous quality that you don't find in people very often anymore, the curiosity. You know, really? people who can ask questions and not because they're filling space, because they're truly curious and want to know more. That's why I married my wife. She's the most curious, thoughtful person I've ever met. And it she is encourages me to be better at that, you know, because I can easily, when I'm tired, I'm like, I just want to sit there and listen. <laughs> you know, she's the one who encourages me. No, like, get in there. Ask the interesting questions. Like, start the conversation that doesn't have anything to do with the weather. And it's great where we get. Well, getting- that
0: that's that sparking that conversation of, and you never know where lives might intersect while you're having oh, those yeah. conversations. And then someone could say something, and you were like, "God, I never really thought about that." Or mm-hmm. that person just gave me words to express something that's been in my heart for so long that I didn't have words to be able to tell, even tell myself, let alone tell someone else. Yeah. So I, I just the the art of conversation for me, and just being able to. to to spark that with someone, someone that you've never met in person before and just be able to have that conversation is like, that's the stuff that makes me go, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> mm, <I> love it.
0: <laughs> All right. So I want to ask you where you feel you're most observant in your life in this moment in time.
1: Uh, in my relationship, for sure. Uh which is interesting because I think I'm the most observant in my relationship and also probably the least observant, <laughs> um, depending she on sides the, of both points. Yeah. You know, depending on the moment, but uh, we we're, we're both as individuals going through a lot of personal life turmoil with our families and it's exhausting. And so yeah. I, I have to notice the fine details with her because I need to take care of her and she needs to take care of me right now too. And so it's, those things where it's, you can normally kind of skate over in a relationship and just zone out. We don't just don't have time for that right now. So there's, and you know, it's also when, when we start fighting, like what's actually the root of this fight? Because we don't fight right. a lot and then it'll get heightened really fast. And it's like, okay, <laughs> we need to, to see what is causing Take a step this. Back yeah. And- Cause I'm pretty sure it's not because I brought you the wrong sandwich. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, Uh, and and then we're like throwing it at each other. I'm kidding. But but yeah, you know, it's, but I, at the same time would love to be not observant because it's exhausting. It Um, is. And yet it has to happen. It it is the only way to take care of each other and ourselves is to keep the attentiveness at a 10. And, you know, I mean, it's something actually as a writer that I strive to do in all elements of my life, because I think the only way to be eloquent and, good at writing is you have to observe. Like that's what a yes. writer does. They observe life and they find a way to translate it so that you don't need to see pictures. You can read off of that page and see what the writer it, is saying. And
0: it leaps right into your into exactly. your your consciousness of just what it is. Yeah. And you don't have to answer this if you don't want to, but are you dealing with sort of an aging parent situation in any yes. of this? Both of yeah. our
1: dads are dying, basically. <laughs> yeah. You
0: know, it's I, I I have so many of my yoga students over the years that have come to me that they are the caretakers or the decision makers and just how difficult it is that our society does not support healthy, respective aging processes. Mm -hmm. They don't take into consideration the quality of life or the, as much Mobility really isn't the word I'm trying to grasp at, but as much of the dignity that this person has lived their life with, and now they're coming to these places where there's challenges, where you have to up close and personal face your mortality.
1: It's the worst. Mortality is horrible, but like you said, my father has made a career off of his mind, And it's not really there anymore. And it's awful to watch him because I know his pride and joy has been taken from him. Yeah. And it's really hard to see someone you love struggling with. I don't even know if you want to be here. You know, it's, it's just,
0: (laughs) well, you know, I went through that with my grandparents in both of my grandmother's for for different ways was incredibly hard. And I thought that was going to help prepare me for having to deal with the fact that, you know, my parents are now in this space where we have to have those hard conversations mm-hmm. and trying to find the place where you temper how much you love them and respect them and want them to maintain their dignity dignity in their way of life, but also keep them safe,
1: yeah, and I think the thing that I'm learning through this is that everyone comes at you with their best intentions and their advice, yeah. from their own personal experiences, which I appreciate deeply because I know we've all experienced loss. The other thing that I've experienced is everyone's experience is so unique. Yep. And while I appreciate people's kind thoughts, like I don't want their advice because they'll never know what my relationship is like with my father. And just because someone has their relationship with their parents and you need to make sure you do this and you'll regret it forever if you don't do that. I'm like, ooh,
0: <laughs> Yeah, just, it's just too much advice. information. And, and, and exactly. what you have. Yes. And you have to really focus on how do I hold this much love in my heart for myself and for my parent and be able to process this and do not just my parents' justice, but myself mm-hmm. and try and take care of myself through this too. It, it's, we just don't, in our society, in this country, we do not have a good process for recognizing a life or death and how to move through that with as much grace as possible.
1: Absolutely. There, there isn't that, the, the elder you know, the respect of the elder, it isn't what our society values, for sure.
0: No, and when I look at all of the, oh, anti-aging this, and
1: oh, look God. younger
0: that, and be thinner this, and mm-hmm. and I just, you know, I hate the words anti-aging. That just makes me wild.
1: You know, <laughs> I think it was um, Allure magazine bowed, I think about a year ago, to never use the word anti-aging in their magazine again, which, you know, baby steps. Like baby big time, but at least big time beauty magazines. I'm like, let's not celebrate that anymore. You know, we already have enough issues to deal with. We already have enough insecurities. Like, I don't need the media telling me why I need to fix myself and what's wrong with me. Yes. And especially where It's like, I still got good years left. Stop it. <laughs>
0: Come <laughs> on. Well, and in our January topic talk where we pick a topic and talk about it, January subject was body image. Yeah. And just how many messages we get from the media and society as women and how early that process happens for girls that doesn't happen for for boys. Yeah. And how young girls are sexualized at such an early age oh, it's and getting boys are too. it is, it is, it is. I grew
1: up as a tomboy in Kansas. My wife Me too. hates that word, but still I like it. I was a tomboy. <laughs> She's like, what does that mean? I was too. Um, and I, but I feel like I was wearing umbros and, you know, Kansas Jayhawk basketball t-shirts. And the girls my age now are wearing those little cutoffs where, you know, their butt cheeks Ugh. show on the bottom. I think they're called cheekies. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, I can't. I remember the first time I ever, ever wore a tight fitted shirt was in high school. And I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. I'm wearing a tight shirt. Oh my God. What's happening? You
0: know? And it was long sleeves, like I don't know, well, the speaking of those shorts. A couple years ago I was waiting in the, the ferry line with my car to come back home from the city. And there was a young lady walking around. Her shorts were so short in the back that mm-hmm. half of her butt cheek hung out the bottom, right? And I you, I know that she couldn't be wearing any underwear or if she did, it was, it, it really was up there. And <laughs> I thought, how is that comfortable? I just wanted to go up and go, honey, are you sure everything's breathing? Okay. in there? Cause I'm a little worried that maybe it's all bunched up and not comfortable for you. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't
1: understand. But part of me is like, all right, you do you. If that, if well, that was my
0: thing. And then, and one of my friends, joy. <laughs> And one of my friends, who's a nurse, was said, "Did you go over and offer some sunscreen
1: for her lip for her her butt cheeks? <laughs> got to take care of those. I got some anti aging cream for your lower butt cheeks." You might want <laughs> who do you,
0: who do you go to with tough questions?
1: Um, I definitely go to my wife, unless it's about my wife. And, and I I'm really lucky. I I have a few fantastic best friends. But lately, my sister, I I was the oops, baby of the family. And my sister is 16 years older than me. Oh, boy. And she's, uh, she's one of my best friends. And she's amazing. She has two kids. She's been through, she's been through cancer. She's been through in vitro and adoption and everything. And she's just such a phenomenal, strong, smart, kind, gooey person. She just gives it to me straight. And I really appreciate that. And she doesn't really let me, you know, toil in the recesses of my mind where I can get stuck.
0: She doesn't let you wallow in the mean girl conversations in your head.
1: Yeah. You know, she's just very like, this is what you need to do. And this is how you're going to fix it. And I'll be like, no, this is what you need to do. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Why are you so mean? You know, and then later it it works. So very lucky to have my sister.
0: Well, and, and plus it gives you someone who's going through the same thing that you are with your parents to be able to kind of circle the wagons.
1: It's, and, and no one will understand family like family. And, yeah. and if, you know, she had very different parents than I had, which is really fascinating. I mean, we yeah. have the same parents, but at very different points in their life. And, you know, when I don't understand my mom and I don't understand my dad, or I think I'm just going to lose it because they make me crazy. I can call her and get validated. <laughs> um But yeah, they just have that that So speaking,
0: Okay. So speaking about family, what's one of your favorite childhood memories?
1: I I have a lot, but I I grew up in Lawrence, Kansas, and we lived on the grounds, the, the university grounds, and they had this amazing natural history museum. And this was in the 80s in Kansas. I could go out by myself all day long, no problem. So I used to walk from my house to the Natural History Museum. I don't know. It was probably half a mile or something like that by myself all the time, probably once a week, honestly. And they had this unbelievable panorama uh, that would range from Antarctica to, you know, like Montana and all the taxidermied animals. And there was a waterfall in it. And they had, you know, like little, not gerbils, like groundhogs like coming in and out of the ground (laughs) and stuff. And I would just spend hours there, mesmerized, transported to a different place. And, you know, as you can imagine, the first time I went to the Natural History Museum in New York, I was like, oh, my God. I just – I don't know. I I love to be transported into different worlds. And there's something about museums that does that for me where, like, lock me up, throw away the key, I'll live in a museum, and I would be so happy. It's just – we, we just got back from Paris and spent two days in a row. At the I was,
0: was going to ask you about that because yeah. I saw your posts. And so hearing you say that about museums. So tell me about that because I know when I went there, what it did to me. So. It's,
1: yeah. So one of their most famous pieces is the Winged Victory sculpture, yeah. um, Nike. And it's been one of my favorites since I was a little girl. And Kate had never even heard of it before. So we got there and, you know, I was like, this is where we need to go. We need to do it right now. We need to go. We need to go. (laughs) And I was blown away. But she, it was really special watching her because she was just so enamored with the sculpture. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, definitely look it up. It it is one of, they just found this unbelievable sculpture. Just found it on the island. I don't know if I'm saying it right. I'm not going to butcher it. But just like hanging there. They found it. It's unbelievable. I can't, I I would have killed to have been the person just walking along, finding that sculpture. It it is now one of the centerpieces of, you know, down this massive hallway. It's just there. And she is the most beautiful thing in the world. And now Kate won't stop talking about it. She thinks we should get (laughs) tattoos of it. (laughs) <laughs> like, I think she wants to, like, wallpaper our bedroom with her.
0: <laughs> well, and she just got her first tattoo, didn't she?
1: She did. She <laughs> got a topographical rendition of Corsica, which is an island off of France near Italy, and that's where her father played professional basketball. And oh, she lived okay. for a couple years when she was younger.
0: Oh. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, the Louvre was, like...
1: Unbelievable. unbelievable.
0: Oh, and, I, well, they... Back then, I mean, it's been several years since I've been there, but they had a room that was just angels. Mm. And as we walked by on the street, I looked up in one of the windows, and I could see all of those wings. And I was like, that I want to go to that room. Arms?
1: I love that they do that. I love that you can <laughs> yeah. be on the street and see, in, yes. look in and see the sculptures. I think that's the most like this is for the people. You know, yes. I, I, yeah. I just love that. I love it. It really calls you in.
0: Well, and then is it the the Venus de Milo
1: without Venus the arms? de Milo is there? Okay.
0: So, (laughs) well, so here's, we walked in to go and see Mona Lisa. Yes. And I had no idea that it was as small as it is. And when we, when we got there, there was no one there. So we could get fairly close Mm -hmm. and, It was all behind, you know, Plexi or whatever it was. And I was looking at it going, that has to be the smallest. You you see all these pictures because I studied art history for a while. I see all these pictures and you have this grandiose sort of idea. And to look at it and go, wow, she's really small. And then, and then a whole group of Japanese tourists came in and just basically pushed us out of the way. And I was like, well, okay, I guess we're done here. (laughs) And we walked out into the hall and I looked up and in the hallway with a shaft of sunlight coming through the window was the Venus of Venus de Milo, right? Mm -hmm. And I was just so enamored that there she was, right? And then I looked up and in that shaft of sunlight, I could see cobwebs attached to her. And I looked at my husband at the time and I said, they didn't dust her. (laughs) And he goes, Sherry, he goes, only you would come and see the most one of the most famous museums in the world to see one of the most famous statues and complain about cobwebs. I said, but, but she's got cobwebs.
1: <laughs> hey, can we get some cleaners over here, please? <laughs> it's okay. I have a Kleenex. I got it. I got it. <laughs> But the,
0: the, the whole – that one section where you walk in and it's it's like a courtyard and they have them on these huge sort of pedestals. Yes. Those things just take your breath away. I it's mean, they're majestic. like, wow, when it's you majestic. walk in and see that.
1: Yes, And the room uh, right behind Venus de Milo is Diana of Versailles. Yes. Which is one of the more famous sculptures of Artemis or Diana. And that was magical. Absolutely magical. It, it, it's just culture is something – we were just, oh, God, museums are just amazing. It is one of the only ways to truly try to recreate time and understand people and how we've evolved and what Where we came from. What does it mean? And how do we see, you know, even Kate was looking at all the sculptures of Aphrodite. And she's like, wow, she's big. I'm like, yeah, she's like, and she's, she was the hot one, right? I'm like, yeah. she's like, what have we done? Why, why don't we celebrate looking like that? I'm like, girl, I know.
0: Well, and and being a six foot Amazon myself personally, going and looking at those statues like uh, that was such a because I was in my early 30s, and to go and see that. After playing softball for years Mm -hmm. and volleyball and dancing ballet. So I kind of rode between the two worlds. But I was never going to be a prima ballerina because I was too muscular. I was Mm -hmm. too powerful. And to go and see those statues and to see the strength and the power and the the, just that they took up space. And I was like, these are my people.
1: (laughs) Those are good people to have be your people. (laughs)
0: <laughs> did you guys make it out to Versailles while you were there? Did you have time to do that or no?
1: I have been to Versailles, but we didn't make it out on this trip. We did spend some time in the catacombs. Oh, yeah.
0: I saw that. Yeah, that's was amazing.
1: That's kind of, oh, it was, it, I found it to be rather spiritual, actually. It was really? funny because okay. I think walking in at first, I started feeling a little claustrophobic in the mining part, but then you get to the actual catacombs, and there's this amazing inscription that says, uh, roughly welcome to the empire of the dead. And, mm. you know, it's... And how like,
0: many, how many bone? I mean, I thought I saw something about, about how many people or... Two million
1: bodies, 300 yeah. miles. And oh, wow. it's, it's really, I don't know, actually, once we entered that part, that's when I started to get calm. And it was just, it's fascinating. It was absolutely, but I'm also just fascinated with the concept of life and death and, and yeah. reincarnation and, and, I, you know, I call my body a meat suit, for example. You know, so it, it's that was just a very fascinating experience to get to see, you know, and how it was treated and how everything was so neatly piled. And
0: I was going to say, whoever did all of that work in there, that's that's painstaking work.
1: Yeah, to do that. Yeah, I can't tell if you get to a point where you just don't care, you get to a point where you're just losing it, and you're like, it must be artistic, you know. <laughs> <laughs> It must be layered like this. See, I can see someone just going all mad scientists down there. But yeah. So that's culture.
0: Well, it it is culture. And the thing for me when I went there was that was my first time to Europe. And I studied all of those things in art history and never thought I would ever get to see them. And just seeing Notre Dame... And walking in there and seeing the black smoke on the wall from the candles and smelling the incense. And then the light came through those stained glass windows. And I was like, I'm really fucking here. I'm (laughs) standing in this place that nowhere that I have ever been in my life is as old as this place.
1: Right. We don't have that in America. No. Our our history is in nature. and, And that's very difficult. Well, where you live, you're very lucky where you live. I feel very, whenever I get off the plane in Portland or Seattle or Vancouver, that feels like the the chi, the energy is still strong in that part of the world. It is.
0: And where I live, so I live about a 35-minute ferry ride out of downtown Seattle, and there's still Native American reservations here. Mm -hmm. And, you know, granted, there's the casinos and all of that, but, you know, those are holy spaces to me. Those are places where there's still that energy that connection that ancient feel mm-hmm. that you don't get in very many places no it's imprinted
1: um, it's so strong the
0: tribes some of them still i mean they do a, a big um a, a canoe not necessarily a race that they go from um the suquamish reservation up to the the tip out there at the um oh god i can't remember what the name it is but anyway they they do this big long trip with people that have built their own canoes and everything. And there's a big, the tribe all gets together and and they do a big celebration as they put them in the water. And Um, so it, you know, those are things that in this area that are inherent, a lot of the, the names of places here are, you know, native American names and that sort of thing. So it it's here. It, you can, when I go away and then I come back is when I notice it the most. Sometimes when you're in it every day, you forget that, but, but going away and coming back, boy, it's, Mm -hmm. it's powerful.
1: That's amazing.
0: How do you build trust? (laughs)
1: Uh, You know, I've actually always been a very trusting person. Mm. uh, And I've had my trust broken many times. I've just never found it's worth the price you pay to not trust someone again. I would rather be hurt and explore and move forward than cut myself off from experience. And I find that if you fixate on not trusting someone you're cutting yourself off from experience and that's powerful I, I like that yeah I, and I mean I have <laughs> I mean I think it's a great part of my personality and one of my downfalls too is I'm I'm very trusting of people and I've I've learned to create healthy boundaries but I'm willing to go in knowing that I will get hurt it's happened before it'll happen again you know and I, I've learned to kind of pad myself enough that it's not, I know nothing's going to destroy me.
0: Well, that was, I was going to ask you next is how do you protect yourself then?
1: Yeah. Well, I I don't think you truly can. You know, I I think that you just, you go into a situation being aware that you can get hurt. I never go into a situation thinking like, it's all going to be great. Everything's going to be fine. Like there is room for error in everything that we do. And that doesn't mean that I expect it to happen, but I understand it's part of the process and it's it's a variable and it could happen. And so. I think that in itself, if something goes wrong, hopefully it's not quite as much of a shock. You know, it's like even going through divorce, like if you get married, you know, divorce is a, it's a possibility. Hopefully it's not what happens, but it is a possibility. And it didn't take away my pain, but I, you know, I had that moment of waking up where I was like, I'd rather be alone than be in this marriage. And, Mm. you know, those powerful moments of like, that's protecting myself is knowing what you need even when the pain is thick. So I, I think maybe protecting yourself is just staying aware, okay. you know, not not kind of head in the clouds.
0: Where do you go to experiment? My
1: kitchen. <laughs> I kind
0: of thought that's what you were going to say. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> my, my kitchen is like my, my wild scientist. That's where I do all my experimenting. It's my happy place. It's, oh, I love it. I'll be cooking tonight, every day, if I can. I love it.
0: Then what are a host's greatest skills?
1: Uh, a host's greatest skills, I think, goes back to what we talked earlier, is being able to observe and be curious. You know, who cares if you're good at hosting by like, oh, my house is welcoming and making amazing food. It's like, can you invite people into your home and make them feel seen? Yeah.
0: Yep. Boy, that's it in a nutshell, isn't it?
1: I think so. I think that's what we all want. Yep.
0: What's something that you wish more women, under- women understood in their lives?
1: I wish, oh gosh, so much. Um, I wish women would learn not to validate themselves through other people's opinions, to not associate their worth through their physical body. And the concept of, you know, it's a man's world and like, oh, that's really good for a woman and you did good for a woman. Like I would love for us to rewire our mind where we don't say those things anymore because women can do whatever they want. And when we say those things, then they think they can't. So it's not a comparison game. It's just like, live big, do whatever you need to. Obviously, there's a lot of marginalization that happens when you're a woman. But I think sometimes we fixate on that so much that we get stuck in the margin. And instead of thinking of like, where's your box, just like, step into whatever it is that you want to do.
0: Well, and that sort of also makes me think about the fact that we have to stop comparing our pain to each other. Mm-hmm. That, you know, my pain is worse than your pain, that, you know, because oh, you weren't yeah. this, that, or the other thing, or, and that when we get into that space, it keeps us in that competitive mode instead of being able to harness the energy to come together. Though we all come from different backgrounds, different races, different religion. All of those things, I think that as women, we have the power to come together to harness all of those differences to actually change the world for the better.
1: Oh my gosh, that, women could really come together.
0: <laughs> but the reality is, is that I feel that that is sort of this energy that's put out there to try and keep women from coming together because when we come together, it scares people. Yeah. It scares people with the power that we have. It scares people with the wave of energy that happens. And this patriarchal makeup that's been going on for thousands of years is, I think, starting to swing back from that whole overly masculine area back towards the center. And we're going to get those dying gasping males that are going to try and hold on (laughs) to that energy, which is what we're seeing happening right now. Mm -hmm. And, that it's to their purpose to keep us from being able to come together, to keep us from going, you know what, I'm a woman too, and I hear you, and I see you, and how can we get together and bring the bo- the best of what we both have together to change? to create change, to create love, to create those spaces that allow people to grow beyond whatever their self-imposed boundaries are, and then whatever the bigger boundaries of society that have come together to say, this is the box that you have to stay in.
1: Absolutely. I mean, that also assumes that we're stepping outside of our own personal experience and ego, which as human beings is very difficult to do. It is. It is. It's a daily practice. It's a daily practice.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's, you know, where the curiosity for me is like, you know, you have a very different experience than I do. So tell me about that. Cause I want to mm-hmm. know about what it is that you've gone through and where you've lived and who your people are and what inspires you and, you know, what, what creates pain and, and all of that. Because all of those layers of the onion are what make you are who you are today. Absolutely. And, you know, you can have those stories that are incredible to share. And, they're a part of who you are, but they don't have to be the defining qualities of who you are. But I just, I think that you hit the nail on the head with just, you know, we don't have to be what anyone else tells us we have to be. We can be exactly whatever it is that we can dream up that we want to be. Absolutely, And, and have the capacity and the power to do that. I see you as being someone who, who does that, who you move within whatever spaces you need to move to get to where you need to be and not that you don't have pain or challenge or things that maybe are roadblocks that might slow you down but I don't feel that you've ever come to a position where you've come to a dead stop that you you might take a time out you might be pause in pause mode but that you keep moving through all of that space and that's incredibly admirable as far as I'm concerned.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that. And I like that analogy, right? Sometimes you need to put the car in neutral so you coast and you don't crash into anything, but it doesn't mean you're not still moving forward. There you go.
0: <laughs> and, and that was the big lesson for me in 2018 was there were whole periods of time where I was grinding my teeth with how slow the mm. things that I wanted to do that I was working on were were happening. And, and I'm a Gemini. You know, I, I'm... Are you? Mm -hmm. Well, my, my friend sin tells me that my slow and steady is most people's warp speed. So (laughs) for me to slow down is incredibly hard. And I had um, a mentor who told me, I, this is what I think you need to do. And I heard her and she gave me the permission. And though there were times where I felt, Oh my God, this is so achingly slow. I'm never going to get anywhere. I did make it there. Yeah. And it's, there were times when I thought, who am I to be doing this? Who am I to have this dream? Who am I to come forward and make all of this happen? And then one night in my dream, it was like, I don't know who told me. I don't know if it was a Viking war goddess who it was, <laughs> but somebody said, who are you not to do that? Right? Absolutely. So it's it's been that that really powerful thing. But I just, I'm so inspired by people who write, by people who can be right out in the front with being wholly who they are and admitting the the dents and the bumps and the bruises and everything else and still like sparkles.
1: Hey, they're very important. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, God, I hope she mentions unicorns. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and and i believe in unicorns i believe in magic i believe in all of that and i believe that you know there's there are so many lives behind where i ended up how i got here today that have inspired me to get to where i am that uh i try not to ever take that for granted but will you tell everybody where they can find
1: you that you yes uh you can find me at katherinebudig.com that's k a t h r y n b u d i g and then all my social media handles are at Catherine Budig. my most recent endeavor that I'm very very excited about and proud of I designed a capsule collection for Kira Grace Yoga fashion is a huge passion of mine and you can find that collection at com. Or if you're in Charleston, you can come shop it in person. Uh, one of My friend has an amazing store called Hamden.
0: Okay, now I have to bring that up because you just taught a yoga class there and Bill Murray yeah. showed up. He yes, was he the did. only guy that showed up?
1: Yes, he was. <laughs> Bless his heart. <laughs> how,
0: did, how did he end up there?
1: I, I've actually known Bill for a long time. He owns a house in Charleston. So uh, I know he's notorious for popping up to random places oh yes
0: yes and I love Um, that about him he just shows up and he's who he is
1: yeah no I think we've known each other for about 10 years and I I kind of put the pressure on him I'm like you better show up this is important to me (laughs) and he bought some stuff which is really sweet and he did come in with painted toenails so I saw
0: that too and I was just like and he's in his board shorts and his hair
1: and I was just
0: like I love Bill Murray (laughs) Uh,
1: (laughs) (laughs) fucking Bill Murray (laughs)
0: Well, I want to thank you so much for making the time to be with me here today. I just so enjoyed getting to get to know you a little bit better and actually have a conversation with words and seeing each other instead of just DMs back and forth.
1: (laughs) <laughs> it's real now.
0: <laughs> so, everyone, please go out and check out our website and buy some of those yoga clothes if you haven't already, because <laughs> they really are incredible. I love the fact that you built them so that they actually come up high enough to stay up so that you don't Ultra. have to feel like everything's yes. falling over every time you bend over. Exactly. And there's a great bra for people who have some extra stuff. In their junk bra it, to fill it up with because yeah. I don't personally have that problem, but I know that there are women out there and finding a sports bra for that kind of a thing is kind of difficult to do. So check that out. And thanks again, Catherine, Thank so, so much, much for your time. It
1: was lovely.